Hey, it's Leah, and this is the Big Fight Blue Soul Podcast, a podcast for those who believe in a world and a life driven by passion, purpose, and connection. A connection with ourselves, our communities, and of course, our beautiful blue planet. Join me on a journey to learn and share from those who are becoming the soil that may nourish the seed of a more conscious, sustainable, and compassionate world. Hey guys, it's Aaliyah and welcome back to the second episode of The Microdotion with this theme being Plastic Free July. I hope you guys are doing okay. It's the first week in. It can be a little intimidating when you really start to build that awareness and recognize, oh wow, plastic is all around me. But let's recap on our last week. We did an audit of our waste and took the responsibility of always bringing our water bottles and coffee mugs with us when we went out. And if, if you were a business owner, hopefully you did the waste audit of what you passed along to your customers. And maybe you guys had some time to do the reflection questions, maybe not. But I hope you're just starting to think about how you really felt after this week and what it felt like to throw things away because away doesn't actually exist. It all goes somewhere. And when we start becoming more cognizant of like, where are these things supposed to go? Why am I putting it there? What's happening with it? What is its life cycle? It really just starts to build different pathways of thinking and recognizing everything comes from somewhere and it's going to go somewhere else. I hope you guys just remember that you just got to keep doing your best because your best is really reliant upon the system you're part of, unfortunately. So you'd think we'd always have access to the best options, but sometimes it takes a little bit more effort and it takes a little bit more demanding from our side to really get the ball rolling. You know, when you think about it, our entire being just consists of consumption. But how does that reflect in your life? Is it like stressful and does it bring you anxiety or inspiration? It's like a dopamine thing, right? To buy a bunch of stuff and you're like, oh, this feels great. And then you and then you come back and you're like, oh, I actually don't feel that great. So just always try to be mindful of how you're using your time and money and how you're just interacting with the world and material items. Okay, so challenge week two. This is what I like to call our quick fixes. So it's really more about changing small habits and fostering more of that awareness that we built last week. So the aim of this week is to use your waste audit and just observations from your life of how to best change some ways of plastic usage. So maybe you go out a lot and get a lot of takeout. Maybe you use a lot of Ziploc bags. Maybe you are using a lot of plastic cosmetics or shampoos. It's just trying to find these small areas in your life where you're thinking once this thing is done, because don't just like throw out a perfectly brand new bottle of something just because you're like, oh, it should be plastic free because that's not helpful. Once you finish whatever it is, see if you can just moving forward, avoid it. I would love to challenge you guys to prepare your grocery trip this week by bringing 
bags to put your produce in and avoiding plastic wrapped or bagged produce. So like doing a full plastic free grocery shop, it can be a little difficult and it's all about planning ahead, right? Because time management is so key to avoiding what convenience offers. Yes, it does take a little extra time and it does take a little bit more effort, but you have the potential to completely reduce your reliance on plastic if you just plan a little bit ahead. If you've never meal prepped before, it was amazing. I did it this week and I had so much fun. There's so many options these days. There's bulk stores, there's bulk food sections in normal stores. You can check out your local farmer's market. When you're doing meat and dairy, try going to the butcher or the deli and seeing if you can bring your own container and putting it in. If you go to the blog, I have a suggested meal prep lunch. And if you're vegetarian or vegan, tofu always comes in plastic. So I linked to a recipe of making your own lentil tofu because I just love anything with lentils because it's very high in protein. And then also avoiding frozen foods and plastic condiments. You can tell that my area of (laughs) weakness is the kitchen. I just love food so much. Frozen foods are pretty easy to avoid, although I love a good smoothie and not having like berries in a bag makes me very sad. But it also inspires me to like change it up, maybe make a different kind of smoothie with fruits that I normally wouldn't use. And then also, instead of using plastic condiments, maybe trying a new recipe, doing your own homemade sauce or dressing, making your own hummus, tzatziki, guacamole. I freaking love all of those. (laughs) But it's really, this week is just an opportunity to explore what's readily available to you and what you can kind of foster in your own life. And again, if you go to the blog, there's a lot more text all about this. There's a blog post that I wrote a couple years ago, but I've just transferred on to this website about 10 simple tips to kick your plastic habit. So if you need a little bit more inspiration, check that out. But again, this is by no means an exhaustive list. Check out the Plastic Free Eco Challenge website run by the Columbus Zoo and the zoos and aquariums in the U.S. But our friend Christina is helping to run that, I think. If she didn't do it this year, she definitely did it last year. So uh, she's got so many resources. And again, if you need more inspiration, check out her blog. She has such a non-exhaustive list of things to talk about. So hopefully you guys will figure out something to do and have a good another week of not using plastic. And now let's get into our topic for this week. Basically, this whole topic came about because I was on Instagram spending too much time there, like I always do. And I saw this post from an Instagram influencer who's like a surfer, has lots of followers, whatever. He seems like, you know, from the energy he puts out into the world via Instagram, he seems like a pretty cool guy. And he shared this documentary series. It's like the second season of... Some, I still haven't even seen it, so I don't even know what the name of it is, but it's about plastic pollution and how local communities can help tackle the problem probably within their own area of what where they're living. But it also says right underneath, available on Amazon Prime. And the guy was like, yeah, like so sick, so happy for you, man, like getting your voice out there. And automatically it just gave me the ick i was like wait i'm sorry plastic pollution a documentary about how terrible it is 
coming from Amazon. I'm yeah. sorry. Like, I don't know if that's just like where my brain goes or if anyone else's brain goes there. But what do we think about this, Christina? I have Christina here from my favorite, a drop in the ocean shop slash my sustainability homegirl. And I'm having her on today to have this chat about what the heck is happening here. Is this greenwashing or is it not? What do you think? Oh, that's such a hard question to answer. And I don't think that there is like a definite answer one way or the other, but it's definitely weird and it gives me the ick too. But (laughs) the problem is like Amazon is so prevalent and so many people have Prime subscriptions and, you know, people will just sit and scroll on Amazon Prime or on Amazon itself, but specifically here we're talking about Amazon Prime. And so if it's if it's a platform that is um, utilized by a large audience, then like on the one hand, that's a great way to get your message out because you have that built-in audience. Whereas if you were to have it on like an independent platform, you know, it might be harder to get people onto another platform. They might have to pay for it separately, that kind of thing. But at the same time, in the process of doing that, then you're giving Amazon money and giving Jeff Bezos money. And that in itself has a whole slew of problems, not just with waste, but also just like ethical issues as well. So it, it's a weird space to be in. If it was available on like many different platforms, I think that would be a little bit less icky. Because for example, I don't have Amazon Prime. I never have. And so anything that's only available on Amazon Prime, I'm not going to see it. And ironically, I don't have Amazon Prime at this point now for the ethics and the sustainability of it. So I I don't have access to watch a documentary about sustainability on that <laughs> on that platform. So it's it's a weird space for sure. My question immediately was just like, do we think that anyone actually important who makes any key decisions also watches this while it's available on Amazon Prime? Or did it just tick a box like, oh, yes, we have another environmental documentary that we can put in? I think that's what's giving me the most ick is that there's like probably a giant disconnect. And also, I mean, I don't know how this works. I'm not a filmmaker. I don't know when you get approached by Amazon. Is there a conversation where he's saying like, well, look, man, like I'm really keen to have my movie or my series on your platform. That sounds amazing. But I feel like we need to have some give and take here because you are contributing to the plastic problem. Because at the end of the day, right? Individuals can do as much as they can with their plastic usage, but that is the end product. And that is the only thing that the consumer is getting. They're not doing anything with the raw materials, the manufacturing, the refining, the transportation, all of that. And like not even acknowledging all of the issues that go along with those steps of the way. That doesn't have anything to do with the consumer. So I think I was just talking about this with a friend the other day. I'm feeling like there is so many options now. And yes, of course, individuals can still do better. But I think we're starting to reach that point where it's like individuals are knowledgeable enough. And now it's going to have to start being more on businesses, corporations and governments to start regulating it more. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah, I I always say that we need both 
top down change and bottom up. And I do think that when we lose sight of that, that's where we can start to see a lot of like fighting within the the sustainability space. We start to see a lot of people, you know, when we advocate for, you know, actions that individuals can take, then we see people saying like, well, it shouldn't just be on us. We need governments and corporations to make changes. And then when we say governments and corporations need to make changes, then we start to see people saying, well, individuals can do a lot too. And I think we need to remember that it is both for sure. Um, and yeah, and there's there's a lot of steps in the process. We need we need everybody on board. We need to hold everybody accountable. But yeah, we we definitely have a lot of resources and information and products available to us as consumers now. And we we definitely need to see that shift now starting to happen more with with governments and corporations. I know that you have an amazing blog about breaking up with Amazon. I know specifically, so my mom, my dad is pretty sick and there's some products that she literally cannot get anywhere else. And like, she knows that I don't approve of her buying me anything from Amazon, but what is a good way to start addressing our, you know, like reliance upon things like Amazon and how convenient it makes life? And also just, I think one of the other things is like, obviously products are so cheap and there's reasons why they're so cheap. But if you are low income and you need certain things and you don't have the opportunity to either drive somewhere, like you don't have public transportation, there's a lot of things that go into it. And we can't just say, oh, all people are bad because they're using Amazon. There's obviously reasons why people use it and don't. So I'd love to hear your opinion on how to start removing yourself from the reliance on Amazon. Yeah, and there's there's a lot to it. So I'll I'll start by saying there there was a conversation that I had with one of my friends that actually sparked the process of me writing that blog post. But I looked at him and I was like, I don't understand Amazon Prime. Like I've never needed it. If I do need something from Amazon, I don't need to have Amazon Prime. Like I can still buy the thing. It's not a membership only platform. I don't understand why people need Amazon Prime. And he goes, well, that's because you don't buy stuff. And I was like, okay, sure. But if if you didn't have Amazon Prime, would you buy as much as you do? And he was like, well, no, but you don't get it because you don't buy stuff. And I was like, right. But if you didn't have <laughs> Amazon Prime in the first place, you wouldn't be buying as much stuff. And it was just there was this disconnect between like understanding that like you you don't need Amazon Prime to shop on Amazon if you if you need to purchase something from Amazon. Amazon Prime members spend about $1400 every year on Amazon. And then if you add in the additional $119 for the membership, you're looking at about $1500 a year. And that's just with Amazon. But Outside of Amazon, the average consumer spends about $600 a year. And so by having Amazon Prime, people are just like predisposed to go buy more stuff. And they're spending about $1,100 more every year than they would be if they didn't have Amazon Prime. So it's, wow. it's yeah, it's just created this ecosystem of like, well, you have to have Amazon Prime because then you get two-day shipping and this and that. But it's actually resulting in people spending a lot more money than they would otherwise just on stuff. 
And so when people say like, oh, I can spend so much, I can save so much money by having Amazon Prime or shopping on Amazon, like, are you really though? So that's yeah. that's kind of step one. There's a series of questions that I ask in the blog post when you're looking at buying something because, you know, there are essentials and necessities that we all need. But outside of that, there are some questions that we can ask whenever we're going to buy anything anywhere, but in particular when we're buying from Amazon. And those questions are, do I really need this particular item right now? Do I already have something that I can use in its place? Can I get it from my local buy nothing group or equivalent group wherever you live? Can I borrow it? Can I find it secondhand? Can I buy it somewhere else like a small business? Can I buy it directly from the brand? That's another great strategy is just using Amazon kind of as a research tool and then going directly to that brand's website to purchase the item. So that brand gets 100% of the sale amount versus giving some to Amazon and Bezos. And then the last question, which for me is like the most important question, is buying this item from Amazon worth supporting Amazon's harmful practices for both people and planet? If any of those questions can get you somewhere else other than Amazon, and and at the root of those questions is really just kind of rethinking our consumption habits as a whole, it's not always just like, I don't want to support Bezos, which like I don't, but it's also just how can I reduce my consumption as a whole to limit I mean, A, just the things that I bring into my house because I don't need more stuff. It's just more things to clean and more things to keep track of and more things to throw away later and reducing my impact on the planet by consuming less. Because that's the other thing. We can't consume our way into a sustainable future. So we see a lot of products that are marketed as sustainable or like you need to buy this thing to be sustainable or to reduce your impact but like if you don't actually need that thing in your life then it's by purchasing it you're not actually going to reduce your impact i think now companies are recognizing that consumers want sustainable or at least environmentally eco-conscious lots of buzzwords, those sorts of products. And if something is in cardboard rather than plastic, my eyes go straight to it, like 100% every time. And then the second step comes in where I'm like, hmm, is this actually sustainable or is it just in cardboard packaging? (laughs) Yep. Because, you know, greenwashing is just becoming more prevalent now. It's funny, I had a different conversation with one of my professors And he was saying that obviously it's a bad thing, but also in another respect, it's a good thing because now it's clear that that's desired. So now it's becoming a problem that people are trying to pretend that they're or they're claiming that their products are environmentally friendly when in reality it's not. It's because consumers do want those sustainable products. So moving forward from greenwashing, how do we address greenwashing culture how do we start to move forward so I found out that apparently a superannuation which is kind of like a 401k insurance thing but in Australia the Australian Securities and Investments Commission has actually launched proceedings against them because they identified that they were being there that they were greenwashing and they weren't actually doing it 
And there was some research that they had done. They looked at all of the products that were potentially greenwashed in a consumer's day, whether it was like in person or online or offline, saw an average of 122 green claims. And they only found that 31% of those actually had any supporting evidence or like verification that they were environmentally friendly. So it clearly is an issue. And maybe, yeah, holding people accountable, taking the legal route will be one way. Um, What are your thoughts on it going forward? So first of all, that number does not surprise me at all. (laughs) Um, And it's very upsetting. It's very disappointing that that is the state we're in. And your professor does make a good point that like it is showing that consumer behavior is shifting, uh, which is definitely a good thing. On the other hand, the, the negative side effects of that are the companies that are actually doing it right have to work that much harder to show that they're doing it right. And consumers are rapidly going to lose trust again. And as we're shifting towards more sustainable products and we're seeing an increase in greenwashing, as we're speaking out more against greenwashing and consumers become more aware of it, they're going to start being more distrusting of all of these things again. If we keep going down this path of like this rampant greenwashing, I think it's, it's going to lead to even more problems than, than we're seeing right now. But to your question of like, what can we do about it? I think Number one is just talking about it more and calling it out as we see it. I've never shied away from shouting out greenwashing when I see it. I've never been afraid to call out a company by name and tell the and like, you know, tell anybody who will listen that this thing is greenwashing, why it's greenwashing. I lead a whole workshop about once a year all on greenwashing, but people don't always recognize it. And when you're trying to do better, it's easy to fall into that trap. For example, right now it's Plastic Free July and uh, the Plastic Free Eco Challenge is currently underway. And there's a participant feed on the Eco Challenge platform where people can share about their plastic free journey and what they're finding. And one of the things that I am very adamant about, and this might be different in other parts of the world, but like here in the States, carton, like beverage cartons, are incredibly difficult to recycle because they're a mixed material. There's there's the paper, there's aluminum, there's plastic, there's like all of these different components that have to be split up separately before they can actually be recycled. And at that point, everything is very low quality and it's very difficult to recycle. So most places don't actually accept these things for recycling. And if they do, the recycling uh, end result is not actually that great. So one that's one of my, like, this is greenwashing, <laughs> especially here in the States. You know, I'm, it might be different in other parts of the world where they have better recycling infrastructure. But here in the States, I consider all beverage cartons greenwashing, even if your city accepts them for recycling. So somebody posted in the feed the other day about how they're trying to make better plastic-free choices. And so they chose to buy, I think it was like orange juice. It was some kind of juice in one of these cartons instead of a plastic bottle. But in reality, that plastic bottle would actually probably be more easily recycled and recycled into something of a higher quality Mm. than the carton would be. 
Uh, and so it's just, but like, if you don't know that, you're like, oh, well, this this carton is cardboard. Like, this has to be better. I'm going to choose this over the plastic. But in reality, you're probably actually just sending more things to landfill than you would have if you had just bought the bottle in plastic. Mm. So it's, I think a lot of it really just comes down to education and more people just talking about these things every chance they get, because it's not always obvious. Also, more regulation around these things. And there are a lot of states that are really working hard on passing legislation. There are organizations that are pushing governments to pass legislation to prevent greenwashing, especially with all of these buzzwords that you mentioned earlier, like eco-friendly, um, all natural, even like biodegradable and compostable and recyclable, like a lot of those you can just throw on anything without any any sort of like backing. You can just say this is recyclable, but if it even if it's not. So like I think Washington and maybe California and Maine, I think I think there's like a couple states that have actually passed ordinances and laws that say like if a if a bag is not um certified biodegradable, it cannot be green. And like so we mm. like just simple things like that. Like you wouldn't think that that would be a big problem, but it is. And so just those little legislation changes over time, I think, can really start to make it make a difference and take that burden off of the consumer as well. It just made me think I was talking to my friend about this and she was saying how she went and saw Avatar 2 in 3D, which is all about like, you know, saving the planet. Very, It's got very strong messaging. I still haven't even seen it yet. I, that's sad. But Literally, how many of those 3D glasses got sold and they're never going to be touched again? Yeah. Uh, used for a movie that like that's their whole messaging. And I'm, it's just like these. I think it's just like that critical thinking skills, right? These are the things that in American culture, especially, they're really trying to be degraded. And it is I've always said knowledge is our greatest tool the human mind will forever be our greatest power that we have this ability to analyze and understand things and observe and actually shift things within ourselves everyone has a very strong ability to do that it's really just like taking that on and recognizing the power that you do have one other thing that i kind of had that i was just pondering so there's not necessarily a right or wrong answer here but I think influencers are starting to like fill this this knowledge gap almost, right? Because they can talk about a topic and they have so many followers and their word becomes gospel. And I think sometimes it can be really amazing. I mean, there's a few conservationists that I know no one would ever hear about some of the stories they're telling if it wasn't for their following. And then there's other people who use their platform not so well and are promoting things that are completely factually incorrect. And I think it just leads to a lot of questions about how we start valuing kind of these mini celebrities and stuff like that. And it's, but it's also this culture of like, right, we're trying to aim for success. We're trying to aim for like getting our name out there or making money. But I think, but if we want to make sure that we're not having a overall negative impact and we're not like 
getting into those kinds of situations where there could be more blowback and more negative than positive happening. It has to stay to a certain scale. As soon as you start becoming a global phenomena, that's when it's just really not, it's not sustainable. I guess. I, I don't know if you have a better word there, but do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm following. <laughs> Looking forward, do you think that we should just start aiming for on a community scale and like supporting the people around us? And yeah, maybe it gets a little bit bigger, but I think trying to focus on that smaller area, that's where you can really do the most good rather than trying to aim for something so large and so big because that's when you get into these kind of questionable circumstances, right? Yeah, I I would agree completely. And I also think that one of the interesting things that I have noticed kind of on that that same note is like as as we're seeing more, and this this relates back to like products more – um, yeah. But like I see so many influencers and and like bloggers and whatnot just sharing about the same like five companies over and over and over again. And they're all these big companies that maybe they started out more sustainably, but now like because they're so big, they're getting further and further away from sustainability. Those are the same brands that we're seeing promoted and the smaller brands are getting lost. And then we're seeing all these small businesses close in waves, like at least once a day, I would say there's a, there's a zero waste shop closing. I wish that there was a way to get the word out about these smaller, these smaller shops. And it really, I think it does go back to your community and supporting your community and also defining community however you choose to define it. It doesn't necessarily have to be your geographic area, although there is a lot of value in supporting the the physical community around you. Um, but also like you can find community in other ways as well. But like really rooting into the community and communities that you are part of and that you identify with can really start to make some big changes. Thank you so much for this conversation, Christina. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I always love chatting with you. Thank you for listening to this Microdotion episode of the Big Fight Blue Soul podcast. Again, you can find most of this information in the blog in text form. Check out the show notes for the resources. Let me know if you guys are participating, your thoughts on this episode and what you want to hear. We're still always looking for sponsors for the show, so please reach out via email at aliyah at bigfightbluesoul.org. That's A-L-I-Y-A at bigfightbluesoul.org. Thank you to Dan Hennig, Track Tribe, Anna Domini, Akash Gandhi, and Telecasted for providing the free music that brings this podcast to life. This podcast was produced by me, Aliyah Siddiqui. Thank you all for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.